You are listening to the Budapest Beacon podcast. My name is Ben Novak. Joining me today is Mr. Justin Spike. Hello. And Andras Petu from Direct36. Hello. Uh, interesting things happened last week in Hungary in the media business. Népszabadság, uh, which was uh, belonged to MediaWorks, um, a, uh, a media company here in Hungary, was unexpectedly shut down. Rumors on the market suggested for months, though, that uh, Népszabadság would be bought up or that, more properly, uh, MediaWorks would be brought up. Um, journalists I spoke to, nobody saw this coming. They, they figured that there would be some changes, but nobody saw uh, Nebsabachag actually being shut down. Justin, you've written quite a bit about this. What can you tell me about this story? Uh, well, on Saturday morning, the news broke uh, that the paper had been shut down. Uh, the journalists and the editorial staff at Nebsabachag uh, received word by courier uh, after having been unable to access their emails from home. Uh, that their services would no longer be necessary at Nape Sabachank. Uh, it was something that nobody expected. Basically, it was a, a really abrupt uh, suspension, so-called suspension of uh, the activities at the paper. Uh, the justification uh, is that ostensibly uh, the paper was lost making and had been for at least five years or over a period of five years. It had uh, racked up a considerable amount of, uh, of, of losses. Uh, which is true, but that's true for a lot of media companies and the argument, is, or a lot of uh, newspapers, and the argument is that uh, it appears to be more of a politically motivated uh, suspension uh, of a leading opposition newspaper than a rational, as Fidesz says, a rational uh, economic decision. What do you say, Andras? Is that happened? Does politics interfere with media in Hungary? <laughs> um, well, yeah, these... It's true that we do, we don't really have you know all the facts, and uh, so it's 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 what we can do right now is mostly uh, speculation, but simply you know it doesn't make sense as a business decision because then they could have just sold the newspaper. I mean, if it was making uh, uh, losses, because the you know this is the uh, this is probably the most expensive solution for you know getting rid of a newspaper. Uh, you have to pay the, all these people now. You, I mean, you have to pay like compensation, redundancy, redundancy packages. Uh, you have to compensate the audience. I mean, they could have found somebody. I don't know, I, I, or at least I, we don't know if there were any efforts to to sell this uh, newspaper. But you know, they could have sold it for one euro. I don't know somebody, and then they could have got rid of all the, uh, you know, the. Uh, the, the, the business problems and the financial problems that's coming with a with a newspaper that it's true that it's it's struggling and uh, just the whole way they did it it was so uh, inhumane I think that that they they deceived these journalists they told them that you know we already ordered pi- ordered the pizzas for the Sunday shift and they because they they the, they timed this whole thing for the 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 move of the uh, because they were moving uh, offices, yeah, yeah, offices. They were moving to new uh, headquarters. So it's. Um, I, I felt really. I felt almost physical pain when I when I when I heard this. And I think. I mean. Uh, in itself, that something happened with Nevsabachak was not so surprising because there has been all these rumors uh, in recent months that you know, uh, media works will be taken over by by somebody or somebody political uh, but uh, 
the way they did it and uh, it's just so brutal i mean it's as compared to i i went through the origo story because uh, two years ago but i mean compared to this that was you know done in a really civil way what do you why do you think uh Nebsabachag is such a symbolic paper well uh of course, it has a long history. I mean, it's kind of it has a controversial history, uh, of course, uh, because of what was going on before the regime change. I mean, this was the the party, the Communist Party's uh, paper, and uh, but you know, after the regime change, this was still a it was an open openly uh, political newspaper, left wing uh, left wing newspaper. So and this was the you know the flagship newspaper of the of the left. Uh, and uh, so you know I guess it it's a it's a symbol of that. It's a symbol of uh, how the, the left wing uh, political forces lost their uh, importance. But I think uh, of course I don't want to paint Nape Sabachag as a solely uh, you know political uh, a left-wing mm, news outlet because they did some really good journalism over the years and quite ironically you know I think uh, what uh, Nepsalachag hasn't been as good as it was you know for years as it was in the last few months they broke some really good stories about uh, Motolchi uh, Rogan's helicopter. helicopter I mean these were stories that uh, I definitely I I envied them, you know. This this the, the, the I I wanted to have stories like stories like this. So, uh, and we don't know. There's been speculation about how these you know breaking these stories might have accelerated the whole process. I mean, I don't know. I don't have any facts on that. Well, one one thing is for sure is that when the uh, when the announcement was made uh, on Nolpol to nol.hu, uh, which is Nape's about Shag's online, it's its website. Uh, there was just a statement saying that the, pa- the the paper would be shutting down temporarily and that uh restructuring re- restructuring to you know to make up to figure out a way to turn this loss making thing into something that is more profitable perhaps uh what was really odd to me was that uh they they had a tremendous repository of articles so taking that taking that offline that's huge yes I mean, you would just assume that, let's say you're going to stop running the paper, you're just going to stop, you know, I don't know, paying people. You could still generate pretty significant ad revenues from just leaving that content up there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not only that, if the justification is that it's loss making, I can't imagine it's that great an expense to just maintain yeah. the archives online. It's almost free. Yes. And, and to take it all away from one day to the next, I think, added to the speculation that this was not simply a... a, a business-motivated decision, but rather a political one. And as you said, we don't know all the facts, and all we can really do is speculate, but some things certainly point in the direction of something else, some some other motivation having uh, motivated. And, and of course, this, you know, this is a... This kind of fits a, a pattern that, that we've been seeing uh, over the last, I don't know, five, six years uh, that started with the how the public media was taken over and um, uh, uh, and what happened with Origo, what happened with TV, 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 TV2. Um, so how they try to crush uh, RTL. So, yeah. I'm going gonna, gonna to stop here. you there and I'm going to ask you then because uh, you name Origo... You name TV2. And these are two pretty big media outlets when you think about it. Um, what kind of political 
uh, motivation is there behind these uh, taking over these these uh, these media outlets? Well, it's power, influence. You know, it's uh, now it's uh, you control, you dominate the the media. Do you think? Do you think this is a strategy of Fidesz? Uh, yeah, it looks like. I mean, um, that's, I mean, definitely, it's not about, you know, it's not about uh, political views or uh, because you can see that there are uh, outlets that uh, are always conservative and they are still, you know, more uh, conservative-leaning uh, outlets. The former Shimichka Empire. And you know the government can control them because they had this fallout with uh, with Chimichka, and then you know they are they are boycotting them and uh, they are trying to make their life more more difficult. So and uh, at the same time they are trying to build this uh, new media empire that is totally under control. If they want to get through a message, then they will they will do it. And uh, you know I think this was the this whole the referendum the campaign was you know it's like was a kind of like a uh like a dry run or yeah you no know, for the for the next uh, operation and they're and they're doing this by the way um stuffing these media outlets full of public funds Attila Batorfi, um, I'm, I'm sure you know Attila, yes, yes. he just published a great article on Atlat, so talking about the extent to which uh, these these outlets receive uh, state advertising revenues. So compared to uh, other outlets which try to exist on the market, um, you know, you have this this array of like pro-government outlets or party outlets that are just being stuffed full mm-hmm. of, uh, of public funds, including uh, including tabloids, which is a very strange, uh, very strange coincidence. I want to read you. Uh, I want to read you something here. This is uh, this is from the Fundamental Law, mm-hmm. and uh, when I finish reading this, I'd like for you to comment on whether you think this actu- accurately reflects the situation in Hungary. Okay. Okay. All right. This is Article Nine of Hungary's Constitution. It says, "Everyone shall have the right to freedom of speech. Hungary shall recognize and protect the freedom and diversity of the press, and and shall ensure the conditions for free dissemination of information necessary for the formation of democratic public opinion." Do you think these words accurately reflect the media situation in Hungary right now? <laughs> well, they sound good on paper, but yeah, there's been. I think after the the Nipsavacak story broke, and uh, of course Facebook exploded, and you could see all kinds of uh, all kinds of comments. And then uh, one view was that you know uh, whether it's still you know it's uh, we still have press freedom in Hungary. And one argument is that yeah, it's because you know you can still find outlets that will publish uh, critical opinions and where you can express uh, your disagreement with the government. And uh, you know, in Hungary, journalists uh, you know are not going to jail; they are not attacked, and there are no physical threats. And uh, that's true. I mean, that can be like a definition of uh, you know having press freedom. But at the same time, I think that the real question is whether you know uh, if we accept that for a democracy, for a healthy democracy, you need. A, a vibrant press that uh, fulfills its, its its job by you know informing the public in a uh, in a balanced way 
and at the same time by you know some tough questions and digging up facts uh, the press is also able to hold the powerful accountable i think that's that's something that is needed for a democracy and if we ask the question whether in hungary the press is able to fulfill this uh, this job uh, this mission then i think the answer is no and why because you know you don't have the you don't have the uh, because most organizations media organizations are under the control direct control of the government or under the you know or through some sorts of oligarchs or you know sometimes you don't even know who the owner is in the case of origo uh, you know there is all sorts of speculation who the real owner of the uh, origo's publisher is so it's a um, you know we of course there are a few outlets uh, small and big that still do good job i mean uh, we have you know 444 still independent we have atlas so uh, they are just like a, us a non-profit and they are independent i consider ourselves independent uh, uh, and you have rtl which is still doing a great job they have a great uh, news program daily news program but uh, you know i mean practically that's it or there are there are a few more but not not too many not too many left so given that environment in which as as you mentioned given the environment uh that has that has come to be in the Hungarian press today with there being only a small handful of what you would consider truly independent mm-hmm. media outlets some of which are are non-profit and depend exclusively on donations from from people consuming that media with the closure of Nape Subodshag to what degree would you say the the job and the task of those journalists who are working for these kinds of uh, small uh, media entities is going to be more difficult than it was or 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 what kind of difficulties are they going to face trying to fill the vacuum that was left by the closure of Nape Subodshag <laughs> so it's a good question I, i think we 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 don't know yet but it's you know we understand that the you know our responsibility is just even bigger now uh, that we have to we have to keep uh, doing this doing this work and i i hope that uh, somehow uh, nepsobachag the staff will manage to s- stick together and they do some they will do something new uh, i think our example shows you know that uh, after origo we managed to manage to create direct 36 it's still a small organization we are team of six six journalists but you know even even with such a small team you can you can make a difference um you talked about the role of media as kind of holding the government accountable or public officials accountable you guys have written some damning stories um some really damning stories mm-hmm. and uh you know the 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 information's out there i mean you one one could say that you've essentially handed a case to a prosecutor like on a platter um How's that going? How are you guys doing holding the public officials accountable? Is how's that working out for you? Well, uh it's a mixed mixed bag. It's a uh in some cases, yes, I mean the authorities uh followed up on uh, our stories, uh, like uh, when my one of my colleagues Anita Vorak, she did a series on the 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 controversial business activities of the son-in-law of the prime minister and then uh one of those stories uh, became part of a, a criminal investigation uh i thought that we had 
we dug up some really solid facts, but apparently the authorities or the police uh, uh, decided against it. And then after, I don't know, a year or so, they, they dropped that case. To be honest, we were not that surprised. I mean, this 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 was a, obviously a politically sensitive uh, story. And when we did the story, we were part of the the Panama Papers uh, project. And then, as far as I know, I mean, that's what the that's what the Prime Minister himself said it in the Parliament that uh, in April that uh, they would launch uh, you know some sorts some sorts of investigations uh, by the tax agency. And as far as I know, it's still ongoing. Uh, I mean, we don't know if they came to any any result, but uh, uh, it's you know this is not the United States. You know, it's a it's a different different system. We don't sometimes what you hear from prosecutors or police. You know, they say, well, just because it's in the papers or it's on the internet, it doesn't mean that we need to act. Um, and you can see that sometimes. What we see is that when we present we present a story, then some opposition politicians or uh, activist groups, you know, they they act upon them and they they do something or they try to do something. But and it, that's that's good. That's how it should work. But you know, when it reaches the authorities, uh, often we see that uh, these stories die. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't continue. You know. Well, you guys are continuing, and you guys just published another piece about the 8th District. Uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, public procurement that was done there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting story. I mean, it's a relatively small story, but I think it shows also a lot about the how the system, how the system works. So what happened in the uh, District 8 is that the, uh, t- two years ago they decided to renovate their, their clinic, their health clinic in, the, uh, in Aurora Street. And so they, um, um, there was a tender, and uh, the company that won it was, in fact, it was a consortium. So the company that won uh, the, the 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 contract, the project, it turned out, and this is what our investigation shows, that they they lied during the procurement, and uh, they they could get this contract only because they. Because they lied, because they they, they uh, made false statements in the uh, during the tender, and it's a we could sh- show it because I, I was writing about this company. It's a it's a long story, but it has a kind of shady, murky ownership background. They were really active here in District Five mm-hmm. uh, uh, under uh, when when Rogan was the Anton Rogan was the mayor, who's now the propaganda minister. Uh, yeah, yes, uh, and. Uh, so when I heard that uh, this company got a contract in Josef Varosh in District 8 too, then I asked for the procurement documents. And one thing that caught my attention was that uh, they uh, brought a reference uh, uh, from uh, Uruguay. The company? Which, yeah, the company brought a, the... Because they had to show, in order to qualify in this tender, they had to prove that they, they had done uh, similar work in the past. That's that's. That's a very common, a very usual thing. But what is quite uncommon, and I, I've, I've reported on uh, procurements uh, quite extensively, but I've never seen anything like this, that uh, in a procurement in Hungary, you bring a reference from uh, the other side of the world, literally. So I just uh, so I just decided that we should look into this. And then fortunately, I had a, uh, I know I've, 
I knew a, a, a journalist in Uruguay. Uh, we we had worked together, um, you know, on a previous story, and then she agreed to you know help us. And then she dug up some really interesting facts on this uh, reference work, because then what the breakthrough in the story was when uh, it's kind of a little technical detail, but the uh, so uh, in this Joja Faros uh, procurement, the one of the requirements was that. Uh, you had to sh- you have to prove that uh, uh, in your previous work you uh, replaced at least one elevator. Mm-hmm. So that was a replacement of at least one elevator, and uh, that's what the company said. That yes, we renovated a clinic in Uruguay as well, and we replaced one elevator. And then she, the Jimena, the Uruguayan journalist, she started to make phone calls, and she also went to this clinic, and she uh, learned that there has never been an elevator in that place, hmm. you know. So that obviously showed that something is not right uh, with this. And then as we uh, continued uh, reporting and uh, got some more documents, it became clear that, in fact, uh, it was just a lie. They never, they had nothing to do with this Uruguayan. They just probably just looked it up on the internet. I don't know. I don't know how they did it. But if they had renovated an elevator or if they had renovated a heating system, one way or another, they, they, they won the contract in Joja Varos uh, for the clinic, and they did the project, and the project presumably turned out well. So why are you guys trying to make such a big fuss about a, a little elevator? What's the point? Uh, it's, not about the, it's not about the elevator. It's, the, it's about they broke the rules. You know, the, um, the maybe, you know, they, uh, they just, just, just lied. I mean, they, they, got this, they got this contract. They got a billion-dollar contract. Uh, because they lied. A billion footing. Yeah, bi- uh, sorry. A billion, billion dollars. That's, yeah, that's, that's already be, like Shimichko yeah, yeah, and Mesa Aros level. It's a big hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, billion, billion footing. Which is, uh, that's what, about $3 million? Three and a half million dollars? Yes, yes. That, you know, that goes to show something, though, is that uh, if depending on what the outcome of this will be, again, so here you go, you've presented the facts. I mean, you've done all the work on this story. Um, clearly, there are rules that govern how public procurements are supposed to work. You found a clear-cut case where there was lie. There was, it was fraud. Mm-hmm. It was what what amounts to fraud. And in this case, you know, it would be very interesting to see that in this one small case, man, $3 million is a lot of money. But in this one case, how the authorities will respond. Um, have you heard anything from them? Have they asked you to, you know, turn over evidence? Uh, no, not not yet. And in fact, the the mayor Mate Kocic, who is, uh, happens to be a quite prominent politician of uh, Fidesz, yeah. and uh, he just shrugged. He he put a, a, on a, in a commented on Facebook that well, you know, the, there is this is this is totally insignificant and uh, just uh, he just doesn't care. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I guess. Uh, uh, I already know that somebody went to the police with this. We'll see if anything comes out of uh, comes out of that. But yes, one of the one of the questions is why I think it's interesting, and it's, this is not only about the, you know this this clinic and about the elevator. Is that it looks like so it's so easy to to rig the system. I mean, you know, uh, if you can if you can uh, manipulate a, a tender. Just you know, just to bring a, a, a totally bogus uh, reference from the other side of the world, then then why are we doing this? Why do you have all these rules and why do you have all these uh, authorities and who oversee uh, uh, procurements? I mean, if it's so easy and, and nothing happens, I mean, that's I think that's pretty uh, frustrating. What is your journalistic uh, instinct? 
tell you about this company that performed this work and that uh, what's the name of this guy? Um, uh, the guy behind the company. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we don't know. We know that he's uh, he's 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 connected, and he has. There are some links between him and the and then the EU line. Uh, it's a guy named uh, Janos Borzovan, mm-hmm. and for a long time he was. Uh, his companies um, were given contracts here in District Five under Rogan and uh, under the, the previous mayor, and uh, we know that he was the uh, subject of a, a corruption investigation and he was charged uh, um, practically with bribery uh, and uh, but he was he was acquitted there was a, there was a trial early, earlier this year and he was acquitted with the other defendants and um, but the prosecutors appealed so it's it's, it's still not uh, over yet but uh, what was interesting in uh, the, for the story is that that during this trial uh, the, the, some of the, you know, the prosecution made its prosecutors made them made their case based on uh, uh, secretly tapped phone phone calls conversations, and uh, uh, it was not a very high profile trial. So for in, in most of the hearings, I was the only journalist there, even wow. though I think it was a pretty uh, pretty interesting uh, case. And uh, so I was there when they when they played the, these these calls court and uh, of course I, I was really interested in uh, you know anything uh, so you know these are you know this this is this is the this is it this is the real life this is when you know when uh, uh, this this guy this businessman was talking with uh, the former uh, uh, the public uh, notary uh, of the uh, of district 5 who was also a defendant and uh, you know and and he uh, he made some remarks and he suggested that he had some links to Jozef Varos. Uh, officially, he doesn't the have... The 8th district. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah 8th district. Because officially, uh, neither he nor his businesses have any, any connection with, uh, with Jozef Varos. But uh, in, these, in these phone conversations, he... Uh, he alludes, yeah, yeah, he alludes yes. to the fact that... Uh, he knows people. Yes, yes, that he was going to meet. Uh, he, uh, he had an appointment with the mayor, Mate Kocic. I mean, that was canceled. Uh, and he also, you know, suggested that he was somehow connected or he was behind one of the big uh, real estate uh, projects in the district. Pretty shocking stuff. Pretty shocking stuff. Uh, Andras, thanks for coming by. It was, uh, it was fun talking to you. And... Uh, we look forward to having you on next time you guys publish something. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Andres. <laughs>